This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Thursday, August 8th. This is episode 261. I'm Dan Ellis. It's Thursday. <laughs> yes, it is. And I'm Ryan Duffy. <laughs> hey, everybody. And Matt's back this week. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Hello, Salt Lake and the rest of the world. <laughs> so what have you guys been doing over the last week? Oh, I'm starting my garage project. Your garage? Oh, I yeah. saw you posted you're going to get a lathe? Yeah. I've been... what, are you, what are you going to make with a lathe? Stuff. Yeah? Some, some so, round stuff? So I've been... Like a lathe Susan? <laughs> Ooh, I could make a lathe Susan. Uh I've been like for the past year, I've been watching like these different videos of people making stuff out of like epoxy resin uh-huh. and wood and uh-huh. then putting on the lathe and making really cool like bowls and cups or vases. And I'm like, you know what? I enjoy watching this and I think I've learned quite a bit of stuff from watching these guys make these and looking at all the different techniques and seeing this kind of shit. I'm like, I want to do that. Have you ever used a lathe before? No. Really? You've never used one? Never. Oh. So I'm, I, I decided. I'm I'm going to clean out half of my garage mm-hmm. and build myself a little woodworking shop in there. Nice. And yeah. So which car is going to be? Oh, so the the vet's going to be in the garage. Yeah. And the other car will have to be parked outside. in the driveway. Well, it's outside right now because I've been using half the garage for storage. And I'm like, well, let's get rid of all that storage <laughs> shit. Then I'll move the Corvette over to that side. Is that why the canoe was going? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, funny story about that. So Sarah puts that canoe on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, marketplace. It's literally 20 seconds later, guy's like, I'll come get it. I'm like, fuck, come get it. <laughs> There's got to be a bunch of people who just oh, hang yeah. out online waiting for free shit to pop up. <laughs> I'm going to go get that and sell it. Well, he shows up and he's got a normal size pickup truck. We're like, Sarah put in there. This is at least a 14 foot canoe. Uh-huh. Like it's longer than your truck. Uh-huh. So, like, we can figure a way to get it on there. I'll just turn it sideways and take up two lanes. No, well, we put it in there, <laughs> like, nose down in the bed with some cushions underneath it. Uh-huh. Then rest of it going up over the front of the vehicle. And he didn't have a whole lot of tie down, so we tied it down the best we could. I'm like, eh, it should be all right. You're not going far. And then Sarah gets a message from them. It fell off, but we made it home okay. <laughs> That's dangerous shit, man. Yeah. Somebody, well, I, I think I mentioned it on the show lots and lots of episodes ago that my, my father lost a high school friend who was riding his motorcycle home from work one night on I-15 and somebody had lost a mattress off their truck and he yeah. hit it at 80 miles an hour on his motorcycle in the middle of the freeway and What's where I asked ended him, up dying. I said, you guys aren't taking the freeway, right? They're like, no, we live right here in Ogden. So I'm like, okay, you should be okay. Then as they're pulling away, Sarah goes... What if it, what about the front? I'm like, oh yeah, we probably should have told him to put a tie down from the front to the front bumper. Like, so that ah. it doesn't swing left and well, right. Well, we had, and... we had put two ropes around it to kind of one pulling it one way, one pulling the other way to try to 
keep it centered. Yeah. And then one across the ass end of the back. That was all he had. So we're like, eh, just don't go too fast. <laughs> I don't know how it fell out if it like popped up or if it slid forward and came out the back or I don't know how it fell out, but apparently they got it, they got it back on and home. Huh. Interessante. So you're getting yeah. a lathe. I'm gonna get a lathe and I want to make cool looking resin bowls. Okay. Yeah. Well bowls and cups and maybe I wanna try to make some beer mugs. Oh yeah, that'd be fun. Some some wood mugs. Well, it's it's a combination of wood. I'll show you some photos of some of that stuff. They look really cool. Yeah. But I figure I can make the actual mug part and then make a handle separately and just connect them. You just do chalices. Yeah. <laughs> that, that those seem harder. <laughs> that, that stem, I would probably break it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a go. Hmm. And you, sir. I spent the week at Lake Powell. Sorry, Yay! Sorry about the miscommunication last week. Oh, yeah, no worries. I, I We were just a little worried about you. I will definitely send you texts before I kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's something to look forward to. Yeah, so you don't have to, you don't have to wonder. <laughs> well, I thought, well, I knew traffic was shit. And oh, yeah, yeah. I, that traffic, well, yeah. We, we knew you were going to Lake Powell. We just didn't know for how, for how long. I guess that was oh, yeah. miscommunication. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. Powell's always good. I like Lake Powell a lot. I mean, I told you before the show that it's one of my favorite spots mm. on the planet that I've ever been to. Yeah. It's a good time. We, uh, Danielle and I spent some time booking all of our accommodations for England and Scotland. Yeah. So that should be fun. We're looking forward to that. That'll be in October. Awesome. How long are you going to be gone? Like 10 days. That's very cool, man. Yeah. I, I've i only been to Mexico outside of the U.S. Yeah, we got kind of, we were fortunate with how that this all worked out. But uh, yeah, so that'll be fun. And, Are you taking uh, the kids with you? Or? No. No? No. Good. Kind of our honeymoon thing. Nice. Get a little break. and Yeah. That's awesome, man. I I am very envious of your of your upcoming trip. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. To crash, uh, crash in on Spike and Dan, see what they're doing. Yes, yeah. that would be awesome. Yeah, that would be really cool. If they'll have me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, let's see. I went and saw Saturday's Voyeur. Oh, I'm going in two weeks. Oh, yeah. It's good. It's fun. Uh, they do, uh, they do some Queen stuff. They did a ah. little rewrite of Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay. That was that was fun. Um, went to went and threw some axes for my brother-in-law's birthday party. Fun. That was also fun. Uh oh, and I missed. I, I think I had mentioned on the show before that I was going to be having Mo's surgery on yeah. on the mole on my head. Yeah, that is come back as malignant, and they're going to remove it. And for one reason or another. Apparently, my surgery date did not end up on my calendar, so I'm just here at home doing my work, and I get a I get a phone call from a number I don't recognize, let it go to voicemail, and then I get a pop-up message with the text of the voicemail message that was left, and it was, hi, this is so-and-so from, you know, Rocky Mountain Dermatology, and you had an appointment with us at 10 o'clock and we're just a little concerned and wanted to make sure everything was okay. So give us a call back if you can. I look at my watch and it's like 
a quarter after 10. I was like, fuck, 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 mm. fuck. I missed the appointment. I just oh, no. totally blew it off. So I called him right back and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I don't know how it didn't end up on my calendar. It just totally slipped my mind. You know, I, I apologized up and down. And so they rescheduled the surgery for the 21st of this month. Okay. And, uh, that'll be right before I go to Mexico. So that'll be fun. <laughs> and I'm, and it's not going to be Moe's now. They're just going to end up just freezing sh- it, cutting it off of my head and giving me stitches that way uh. instead of the individual light layers until they get it all gone. So at least it'll be a shorter thing, nastier scar, but it's on the top of my head and being tall ish, I guess it's not going to be that big a deal, but, and I have my, Head is just a roadmap of scars anyway from various <laughs> diving accidents, falling mishaps, other moles that have been removed. Yeah. I have several scars on my head. Kind of like my legs. I just walk into shit. I've had lots and lots of concussions in my <laughs> life. Probably have some kind of CTE going on, but that's not good. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and oh, yeah. I finally got my CPAP. I got my CPAP uh, on Friday, so it's been almost an entire week. And sleeping good, dude, the first night I used it, um, I got a great score. It's really cool. It's a really cool fucking device, right? So it's super advanced. It has like a little water tank, so it provides humidity Mm -hmm. while it's, while it's blowing air and it warms the water. So it's a, so it's not just cold water, cold air coming into you. Um, and it has all kinds of cool features. Um, it doesn't even connect to my Wi-Fi. It has a mobile mobile phone chip in it so okay. that it gathers all of the data throughout the night and then sends that to the people who supplied me with the equipment and to the doctor at the sleep center or whatever so they can review all of the information, make sure everything's going okay, that the mask is fitting right, that I'm using it properly. Because, of course, there are restrictions with the insurance company that say mm-hmm. that because we're going to be paying for this expensive piece of medical equipment and paying for the doctor visits, really, I'm still the one ultimately paying for yeah. it through all of my fucking premiums and copays and deductibles. But because they have say over where that money goes, they get to tell me what they're going to do with mm-hmm. it and, and offer restrictions on what I have to do and, and cannot do and should do. But so that information is all sent to them every day uh, after... I take the mask off and, and shut it or whatever, but it's super fucking cool, man. It has all kinds of really crazy, cool features. Uh, one of them is called smart start where I didn't really know what it was, but I thought <laughs> smart start. Well, that sounds cool. I'm going to try that out. And apparently that's where, as soon as I put the mask on, it senses oh. any exhalation yep. and automatically kicks the machine on. And I didn't know I could do that until like the third night. And I was like, Oh, that's really fucking cool. <laughs> I should turn that off because sometimes I put it on and dance around the bedroom naked. <laughs> as one does like who doesn't do that with their CPAP right playing naked Bane yeah and, and it got the mask and the long hose and <laughs> check out my long hose baby um, but, but, so the first night first night I used it I was just out I it was a Friday and I had done a bunch of shit in the yard I was I was basically just exhausted you know passed out crashed dude I slept for more than eight hours in the first time and I couldn't tell you how long and it was just solid Dan's done passed out done asleep solidly for eight hours I can't remember the last time that happened and I woke up I didn't have a headache 
like because you were breathing all night i felt very spry i was just like <laughs> i feel rested i feel great this is awesome wow that's awesome man. yeah it's it's been it's been like a life-changing thing for me so far uh the next few nights i i tried adjusting the mask differently a little bit because i like to sleep on my stomach and or side every now and yeah. then. yeah it used to be that I would start out sleeping on my stomach and then move to my side and then my back and then kind of go from back to side to side. And now because of the mask and hose, of course, that you movement can't roll is around. restricted. Yeah, I can't, I can't roll around and I can't lay on my side. I can't, I certainly can't lay on my stomach very easily no. because that, you know. Unless you get like a masseuse table. Moves the mask around and shit. <laughs> yeah, I guess I could. <laughs> um, but yeah, that moves the mask around and stuff. Um. So it's, it's been an adjustment for sure, trying to get the fit right and the moisture right. It has the, the device is just, it's pretty small. It's maybe the size of a small loaf of bread, not even as long or okay. as tight. It's probably, I don't know, maybe 10 by six by three. Like an old alarm clock. Yeah. Yeah. About that size. And it's super quiet. Like everybody that I had talked to or had heard stories from were like, Oh yeah, well no, it used to be that I snore. And now I've got the CPAP machine that's Go noisy on. and whatever. And the first night that I had it, when I slept really well, Tracy slept like shit because she's so used to me snoring oh. all night long. <laughs> like, you know, I woke up before she did. She sleeps a lot longer than I do typically. Uh, and a lot later than I do. And so I was up doing whatever during the day and she, finally came downstairs into the kitchen and of course I'm just sitting in there watching news and drinking coffee and she's like so how was it and I was like man I feel great you know I woke up I didn't have a fucking headache I haven't felt tired since I got up which is a new thing for me also like it used to be that I would wake up I'd wake up with a headache and then I was just tired all fucking day just super tired I'd I'd nod off during meetings if I was on a long conference call and wasn't talking, I'd, I'd start doing the head bob fishing thing where I'm just falling asleep on my feet or in my chair. And that hasn't happened all week, which is really weird. I've been so much more productive because <laughs> I'm You're... thinking more clearly. I'm, I'm more well rested. I just, I feel a shit ton better. It's hmm. awesome, man. Yeah. And, and so now it's just playing with some of the settings and stuff. I, you know, it, just fine tuning. Yeah. Fine tuning a lot of it. A lot of it is automatic. Like it adjusts to the external atmosphere outside the machine. So if it's really dry in the room, it'll pump, it'll pump more oh, okay. moisture into the hose. Um, so it, it senses all of that. And so I tried setting it man, I tried setting it manually the, on, uh, one night and I woke up in the middle of the night because you're, I had the humidity set way too high and your lungs were full of water. And so I'm, so I'm laying on my back and I just moved my head a little bit and like, there was a bunch of condensation in the mask that started dripping onto my oh. face and nose and felt like I was being waterboarded for a second. <laughs> so yeah, so it's, it's been an adjustment, but it's so far, it's been fucking amazing. If you think you have sleep apnea, you should go and get tested. And if you do have sleep apnea and have the opportunity to get a CPAP, you, you're going to feel better, man. It just, it's, it's been a life changing thing for me. I, I'm very much happy that after a year of going through all of this bullshit that I finally have it and it's made me feel a lot better every day. So, hmm. and I think nice. that'll be something that just continues and yeah. 
Yeah. I have more energy. I feel more productive <laughs> every day. It's just, it's awesome, man. I love it. But now I have to set up another appointment to go and see the doctor. One of the things that they told me when I first got the machine was that I have to go and visit with the sleep study doctor again within, can't remember if it was 60 or 90 days of receiving the machine. So then they can go through all of the data, you know, address any problems that I may be having or experiencing, you know, check the fit of the mask, explore other options if necessary. So doesn't sound like you need to explore other options right now. Not, not a whole lot. I'm wondering if maybe, so the, the mask type that I have right now is the kind that goes over your nose, just your nose. Like there are a few different mask types. There's the the one that'll go over your mouth and your nose. That's what I always think of when I think of the CPAP. Yeah. Yeah, or the like the one I have that just goes over my nose, and then they have uh, another one that is just, it's like no, I think they call it nose pillows that just basically sits on your like nostrils, a, like a cannula. Yeah, kind of like a cannula, but it doesn't really go into your nose; okay. it just rests and seals on your nostrils. And I'm wondering if that might be a little better because of my mustache, I get leakage out of the oh, bottom okay. of the mask, and then it makes it more difficult to sleep on my side because it's a much larger thing on my face. I don't know if a nose pillow thing would be better or not, but so yeah. Anyway, it's I'm just I'm very thrilled to have the machine now and and be and, sleeping much better and, every and, night. And not be dying every night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and not waking up with a headache has been awesome. Though I do wake up a little bit more sore and stiff because I stay in one position for longer periods of time, but I'm sure that's just a something I'm gonna have to get used to. Yeah. But yeah, it's been awesome. And it reads everything. Like it reads how many apneas per hour that I'm having. Dude, and I was having, so prior to getting the machine, I was having uh, 90 on average 87 apnea episodes per hour. Which Damn. is like one every like 40 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was stopping breathing more than once a minute. And with the machine, I think the highest I've had since getting the machine and using it over the last six days was five per hour was okay. the average. So I a mean, a lot better. Yeah. That's, a that's a decrease better. of, you know, from 87 down to five is the highest I've had so far. Yeah. I think the first night it was like 1.8 and then 2.6 or, and then three. And then the highest was a five. And I think I was just extra restless that night, but yeah, it's been awesome, man. Super, super cool. I'm really digging it. So tonight, we are very excited because we have oh, yeah. Nico Gonzalez uh, for the in, for the interview for the show this evening. Uh, we've pre-recorded the interview. We'll get to that. Uh, Nico's Nico's a great guest. Man. He's a whole lot of fun. He's got a show that's coming out soon. He's the content creator or content provider for the Conversations with God podcast. We had interviewed Tony a couple of weeks ago, and I have to apologize to Nico <laughs> right now before everybody else hears it and. And to him when he listens to the show, because toward the end of the show, I think I called him Tony like three or four times yeah. because it for some reason was stuck in my head. So sorry, Nico. Thanks for coming on the show. You were a great guest. So with that, we'll get to the interview. Okay. Hello, my name is Tony from the Conversations with God podcast. And as the name suggests... On that podcast, I talk to the creator of the universe, God. We discuss philosophy, cooking, death and diseases, amongst other important subjects. And you're listening to the Godless Revolution podcast, which is much better than the Conversations with God podcast. 
Oh, you have got to be kidding me. What's wrong? Well, aren't we at least going to a black church? I mean, I knew today was going to be a total write-off, but I was at least looking forward to some great music and some pretty impressive hats. I mean, it's nothing but a bunch of lame-ass white people. You're lame-ass white people. I know, and I think it's pretty obvious that I hate myself. This isn't my regular church, all right? I don't live here either, remember? But it's Episcopalian, it's like 10 minutes from my house, and I think I saw a pride flag inside once, or maybe it was just a rainbow. I don't know, I'm doing what I can. It's Florida. Rejoining the Godless Revolution podcast now. Okay, on the line we have Nico Gonzalez, content provider for the Conversations with God podcast with Tony. How you doing, Nico? I'm doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show and, and talk about things in junk. So you had contacted us and wondered if we would be interested in having you on the show. And I thought, yes, absolutely, because you were previously a Jehovah's Witness and we... I, we we talk about the LDS faith and Mormons uh, here on the show quite a bit because Matt Good. and I are both former Mormons and we live in Utah and it it's a wacky directly thing. directly impacts us. Yeah, yeah, and it's a wacky thing. And while I have known a few Jehovah's Witnesses personally in my time, they're few and far between and they didn't really want to talk about their religion with me. <laughs> um, well, they're not, they're not too much different, so you're not missing that much. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. How old are you? I'm 23. Yep. Moved to Hawaii at 20 years old. Been here for just under four years. 23, and you moved to Hawaii. Where did you move to Hawaii from? Massachusetts, but I'm an Arizona native. Oh boy, you're kind of all over the place. Where your Where your parents very mobile, like uh, military or something? Or? Uh, no, my mom lived in Arizona for a long period of her time. Uh, she moved to Massachusetts. I'm not sure exactly why, but then. Right after she got pregnant with me, she decided to go back. So I, I don't really know a whole lot about that. I just know it's a touchy subject with her because of issues with my dad. But yeah, Mm. we, we go everywhere. What parts of those states? So I'm from Glendale in Arizona. Okay. Um, born in the Thunderbird, Thunderbird Medical Hospital or Institute or something like that. I lived, and then in, I lived right off of 19th and Dunlap. So that's right by the Metro Center Mall. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, man, it's been so long, I don't remember what my street name was. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when we moved to Massachusetts, I lived in Springfield. Uh, uh, Go Basketball was, Hall of Fame. That's where I was born. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, I grew up in Westfield. Oh, yeah, I was like literally 20 minutes away from Westfield, if that. Right on. That's and a then after crazy that, connection. That's, yeah, it's a that's, small world. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of wild. So you're 23. You moved to Hawaii when you were 20. What what took you to Hawaii? Uh, well, I was still an active Jehovah's Witness at the time, and I had just gotten kicked out of my father's house uh, for a lot of really stupid reasons. Well, maybe they weren't stupid. Perhaps I was just a stubborn ass kid, but <laughs> stupid reasons. We'll just go with that. <laughs> and I came here to prove a point that I could make it in the world despite what he thought. And there was a, a Jehovah's Witness who lived here that I've known since I was eight. He owns a window cleaning company, and so I jumped on a plane with 300 bucks in my pocket and came here within two weeks of getting offered the job. Oh, wow. Do you do like, was it like the high-rise windows? Because I've seen that over there, and that looks like fun. We don't have a ton of that on the island that I live on. Okay. That's usually like Maui and Oahu have the high-rise stuff. Mostly for us, it's like uh, commercial uh, stores, okay. houses, condos, things like that. Hmm. So do you, do you want to get into the, the stupid reasons that you were kicked out of your father's house? 
Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my dad's definitely not listening, so I'm not going to be nice about it. Um, mostly because he's a Jehovah's Witness and would never partake in anything that included the word godless in it. Is it yeah. too worldly? Oh, it's definitely too worldly. Way too worldly. <laughs> us, us atheists are, are lost to the world and are going to get killed by God at some point. So they, they have nothing to do with us. But. Ah, the, by that, by that kind and loving God. Yeah. 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 God of love. <laughs> so mostly the biggest reason why I got kicked out of my dad's house is we just didn't get along. Um, I didn't really know my dad till I was seven. I saw him a couple times prior to that, but I don't really remember it. And then at 16, um, to escape drama from my mother's house, I decided to move in with him. And when you have two men who <laughs> don't get along already, trying to share a living space. It just doesn't end well. So it was, just, it was just a lot of arguing, a lot of bickering, and a lot of rules that didn't make any sense. And couple that with the uh, emotionally um, absent father. You know, it just, it just led to an explosion, and I, I ended up getting kicked out. Mm. So it sounds to me like you were probably better off being kicked out. Oh, definitely. Is your father a witness? He is. He's been a witness, I want to say, since 2008, and he got baptized. Well, actually, that might not be right. Maybe he got baptized in 2008. Mm. So he got Sin- he got snookered into it. Have you always been a Jehovah's? Well, you're not now, but snookered? were you were you were you raised a Jehovah's Witness, or or was this something that you converted to later in life? Um, I I was sort of. I wasn't born into it, but I definitely was raised as a witness. Um, so. Like I said earlier, I didn't really see my dad till I was about seven. And at this time, he was already studying with witnesses because the girl he was um, married to was a baptized witness. And if you I mean, I, I don't know, I don't really know a ton about Mormon culture, but I feel like they're the same. You know, they don't really want you to be dating or marrying unbelievers. The Gentiles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so my dad was in the same situation and uh, he was studying and then eventually got baptized when I was eight. So from seven all the way up until I, I left at 22, I was exposed to the witness culture and was basically raised around it. Mm. I see. So what led you away from the church or how did, how did that all happen? I mean, I, I can imagine, you know, the trauma of, of being kicked out of your father's home and moving across, you know, half of the planet <laughs> to a to to an island. Yeah. May have, may have contributed to that somewhat, but was there uh was there a straw that broke the camel's back? Did you have doubts for a while, or what, what happened? Um, yeah, I had doubts for a really long time, um, which moving to Hawaii kind of actually worked against me waking up, um, mostly just because I went to a congregation that we call, um, it's not special needs, but it's, it's there's not a lot of people there, so they need help doing things like you know running the door knocking territories, running microphones and stuff. So it took a little bit longer, but I did have doubts. It's just, you're trained to repress those doubts. Mm -hmm. But the singular event that kind of started my process to waking up was getting disfellowshipped or excommunicated um, is a more popular term, I guess, uh, for doing things with a girl that aren't actually wrong, but witnesses (laughs) think they're wrong. You guys were playing Canasta way too often. Yeah. <laughs> um, Pinochle. Yeah. So because you feel they, they train you to feel guilty about doing things that the Bible condemns, like premarital sex. And oh, so uh, the the girl that I was <laughs> with ended up feeling guilty. 
she went off to the elders, which is, I don't know what the Mormons called the higher ups, but that's what, that's what we called them. Yeah, they're elders or, or, or apostles, members of the bishopric, church leadership. Yeah. Yeah. So, so she was feeling guilty about what was going on, which is so stupid because we didn't really do anything that was, that was wrong, really. And then, uh, yeah, they, they pretty much scooped me up one day and were like, so this is what we heard. And I, I had what we call a judicial committee, or not we, but what they call a judicial committee, <laughs> which is basically three old ass men will question you about every single little detail that happened and you have to tell them every single little detail. I mean, stuff, uh, I can't remember. I was just reading up on that guy who got excommunicated for challenging the Mormons on doing that, but it's, it's to that extent, you know, how many times did you ejaculate? Did you, you know, all that stuff like that. That, that just, that, that always has seemed strange to me. Like what, why do they need to know the specific details? Like, is it? I, I have I a theory. Mean, okay, sure. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> well, so in, in the cult I was in, um, <laughs> you're extremely sexually restricted, even if you're married. So my personal theory is since they can't get blowjobs, do anal sex, insert other expletives here, <laughs> they get off on these judicial meetings and kind of live their fantasies through other people's quote unquote sins. Living vicariously through say, you. Since, mm. since they can't yeah. watch porn either, they're just filling their spank bank. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. <laughs> um, but the the thing that made me doubt the most is I was actually repentant, and I felt sorry for what had happened, and I basically felt like shit. I cried through the entire judicial meeting, and I still got disfellowshipped. And you spend all that time praying, right? You're like, oh, God, you know, I, I'm so sorry this happened. Like, just don't kick me out, because... For me, I don't have any family in Hawaii. My only social circle was witnesses because you're conditioned not to talk to other people who aren't witnesses, Mm -hmm. at least at the friend level. So my biggest worry was getting, you know, disfellowshipped and not having a single person to back me up at all. Because, I mean, that's basically what happened. So that was kind of what made me like, like, what the hell? Like, those were genuine emotions that I felt at the time. And it, it kind of seems like God just either didn't care or wasn't there. And so I started exploring. Well, and that's one of the tactics that a lot of cults use, right, is to isolate you and, and make you feel like you have no other outlet or options but remaining a member in good standing. And so you'll do whatever you can to stay in the good graces of the church and its leaders. Yeah, and I mean, that was kind of a weird thing, too was because the elders in my judicial meeting told me, oh, your sin's already been forgiven. So once I already felt like God had abandoned me, I was like, wait a minute. If my sins had already been forgiven, why the fuck did I get this fellowship for? That makes no sense. Well, I'm curious, too. Mm. So in the LDS faith, there are basically two levels of restriction. There's being disfellowshipped, which means that you can still go to church but you can't participate in like temple ceremonies. Yeah. You can't participate in temple ceremonies. I think you can still, uh, take the sacrament. No, you can't. You can't if you're disfellowshipped. Right. Like I know you can't, if you're excommunicated. Yeah. If you're disfellowshipped, you can't take the sacrament until your time of repentance is over. And then you can start taking it again and work your way back. Okay. And, Oh, go ahead. Oh no, go. Yeah. I was going to say, well, and then I know that, so there's disfellowship, there's there's being disfellowshipped, which is, you know, as Matt described, you can't have sacrament. You can still go to church, participate in meetings, blah, blah, blah. Um, but 
you know, the, the next level is excommunication where they're like, well, no, you can't be a member of our church anymore. Maybe one day in the future, if you're very repentant and meet with your bishop and do a bunch of other stuff that we want you to do, then maybe one day we'll let you back in. Is it the same way with Jehovah's Witnesses? Or are there, are there like two, li- two different levels of, uh, of get the fuck out? Punishment or, or sort of. Yeah. Sort of. Um, so we have three, um, I guess I'll call them capital punishments. I, I feel like that's the only thing I can think of to call them. But so there's, there's reproval and reproval has two steps. You can either be privately reproved, which means that you did something that God considers a sin. No one else knows about it. You came clean to the elders. They read you whatever verses you need to be read and you're just not allowed to comment at meetings or participate at meetings. You can still go preaching, but you're not allowed to pioneer. Uh, pioneering is when you go door knocking 70 hours a month. You make a year long commitment for that. And, um, yeah, you're not allowed to do anything besides go to meetings. Nope, nope, no participation. Just sit there and take it in and, uh, go door knocking. Then you have public approval, which basically means that they announce to the congregation that you are approved. They don't say what you did. But the difference between a public and a private is if people know about what you did, then they'll make it a public. If they don't, then it's just a private. (laughs) (laughs) But to be honest, private, private approval is much worse, if you ask me, because, you know, someone will say, oh, you know, Brother Gonzalez, can you say the prayer? And you got to be like, sorry, I can't. And everyone's like, oh, shit, he fucked up. Oh, what you do? It's like, that's the tell mark, especially for, for men. I mean, women, it's not as noticeable because they don't really get to do anything other than go to meetings and go out and, and well, we called it going out in service, door knocking. We called it going out in service. That was pretty much the only thing they could do anyways. Well, what a fucking bitch then this, this person you were with, she has like almost no repercussions and then she runs and tells and gets you in trouble. Yeah, I felt the same about, about her at the time. My feelings on that have changed because we're we're currently dating and witness oh. free. <laughs> so Matt, she is not a bitch. Oh. <laughs> no, she was, just not now. Okay. <laughs> I'll I'll, I'll, the, I'll ref- the other tier rephrase is that to bitch move. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a bitch no, move. no worries. Didn't mean to cut you off, but the. Uh, then the other discipline is disfellowshipping, and that's when you're kicked out. No witnesses can talk to you. You're not allowed to. You can go to meetings, but you're not allowed to socialize. No one can talk to you at all. Not even a hello. They're not even supposed to acknowledge that you're there. Oh, Jesus. And then on, on top of that, um, you have to wait six months to a year of, like, perfect meeting attendance mm. and obvious scrutiny by elders by way of meeting with you from time to time to see how your, quote, spiritual habits are. <laughs> um. And then on top of that, to even further the guilt and shame, if you come across a witness that doesn't know you're disfellowshipped, it's your responsibility to tell them that you're disfellowshipped. And then you have to sit there and face the awkward ass stare they give you and slow turn around and walk away. So it's very kind of like what you were saying earlier, how they, they, they almost force you to feel like that's your only option because you feel like shit, basically. Wow. That's that's a pretty awful way to treat members of a group that you, I mean, ideally you want to keep those people in the fold, right? But I guess it's one of those things where they're breaking you down mentally so that you have to turn to them as your only source of solace and support. But that's or, still a fucked up way to treat or other if there's, people. If there's no harsh punishment for breaking any of the rules, why not just break the rules if you're not going to get punished? If you see exactly. a harsh punishment like that, it's like, well, fuck, I don't want to be that guy, so. I better yeah, stay in line. Yeah. They're huge on appearances, so they they take 
any little little misstep very very seriously because it's all about how the organization looks to outsiders. So if you fuck up, we get rid of you. That fuck up's not part of us anymore because you're out. But this makes them look crazier <laughs> to, yeah. to outsiders, doesn't it? I, uh. Well, surprisingly, like ever since I've been out and I asked people about this, um, I mean, some people are aware of it, but almost nobody knows about the disfellowshipping stuff. Yeah. So to them, it's like a foreign concept. And they're like, wait, they do what? I'm like, yeah, this is what goes on. I mean, I, I figured if they were disfellowship, kind of like with the LDS one, like, no, you're out. You are gone. Get out of our lives. Not be like, yeah. well, you can work your way back in, but you got to sit here and shut the fuck up for six months and then we'll consider it. Yeah, that's the thing, too. Emphasis on that word consider. Even if you go to every single meeting, which is twice a week for about two and a half hours, or excuse me, one hour and a half, about roughly. After six months, they may tell you no. And then you have to endure another six months. Oh, and they that. still might tell you no. Hmm. You guys need to unionize. <laughs> <laughs> Get some witness protection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So did you do the uh, the door knocking? Oh, yeah. I was, uh, I was both an auxiliary pioneer, which is basically a, a regular pioneer, the 70 hour a month for a year thing. But the only difference is it's only 50 hours a month and it's on a month to month basis. So I okay. did both of those. That's so, a long time. Is this while you're also working full time or are the, is this an expectation they put on people who don't have full time employment? No, it, it's, it's, it's not so much an expectation, but it is one of those stigmatized things where if you're an 18, 19 year old young man and you only work part time, you know, you, the culture surrounding it is very, you know, you'll be looked at negatively if you're not doing auxiliary or regular pioneering. That's wild. So 70 hours per month for an entire year. How, what what do you do when you go around knocking on people's doors other than, you know, clearly bothering people who, <laughs> who, who may not want to talk to you in the first place? Uh, well, the first thing, well, basically it was just we get up, we go to the Kingdom Hall or, or the church and we would meet. And then um, one of my jobs as a witness was to divide up the map and hand out what we called territories for people to go door knocking. So it, it kind of depended on the seasons, especially when I lived in Massachusetts. You know, if it was winter, obviously we wouldn't be doing as much door knocking. We would do letter writing to make up for time since we couldn't be outside because it was fucking cold. And you just um, write really slow. It's so like, this letter took one hour. <laughs> you know, we're, we're discouraged from doing that, but everybody does that. <laughs> Everyone did that. I remember one time we did a, a whole day. We did nothing but preaching an entire day. So once like the, the nighttime into midnight hours came, we just did letter writing. And it was probably like 12 hours of that. And I only did like two letters. <laughs> <laughs> you have to find the right words. It has to be God inspired. Yeah, you know, we sit there, pray the whole time, and just wait for, you know, the Holy Spirit to convict me and, and make me write something. Ah, the Holy Spirit said write the next word. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now I feel I feel like maybe I missed something while I was scribbling some notes here. What is the letter writing deal? So the letter writing deal is basically we go on uh, uh, the reverse search for addresses. So we have the territory maps that we get from Google, huh. and you can pull up the addresses of various streets or whatever and we just reverse type that in and find out who lives there and then we write a letter to that person and mail it out oh it's a personal yeah. touch i've gotten one of those before 
and it almost tricked me. I'm like, what the fuck is this stuff? And I, I flipped over the pamphlet that was in there. I was like, oh, lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it usually has like a little pamphlet and, you know, the address to the Kingdom Hall, the, the address to the website, just simple stuff. And it's usually something that will pull on people's heartstrings. So a lot of times you'll find it'll be like talking about the state of the world or death and resurrection, things death. of that nature. Homeless dogs. Yeah, uh, dying crickets. Yeah. <laughs> Something that people almost universally can can relate to. The discontinuation of Necco wafers. <laughs> <laughs> Signed by me personally. <laughs> so when you when you were out in the in the field doing doing your pioneering work, were you ever did you ever run across anybody who challenged you specifically or made you think more about your faith? Um, not really. And I'm not saying that because I was like super firm in the faith. It was mostly because where I lived, it was kind of small. So we worked our, our territory often and people knew who we were. And usually if, if they didn't believe what we believed, they would just wave us off and we would leave. I did study with a couple people and we would go back and forth on what they believed as born again Christians and what I believed as Jehovah's Witness, but no one really no one really dug their heels into me, really. No one ever offered you a firm challenge of, no, I think you're wrong, and here's why? Not really, to be honest. I, it, but again, it's New England, so everybody's a dick. Um, <laughs> so if they're not interested, well, they will immediately tell you that they're not interested, and you'll walk away from their door with a slammed piece well, of metal in your face. Well, that, that was kind of going along with my next question. What is the craziest thing you ever had happen to you while knocking on someone else's door? There has to oh, be some man. kind of crazy story. <laughs> uh, a naked dude craziest. coming to the door or whatever. I mean, I've definitely seen my fair share of naked people. Um, <laughs> I, so I, I did, um, wow, I don't even know which story to tell. There's like five that are coming to mind. Uh, well, I, I'll tell you the story of my first door ever. Okay. The first door I ever knocked on. I was super excited about it because, wow, oh, you're, God, you're, my you're life sucked because that's what I was excited for. <laughs> so anyways we get to the door and i was super nervous but excited and the lady opens the door sees me smiles and then slams the door on my face and that was my first experience door knocking (laughs) (laughs) at least you did it with a smile (laughs) yeah right like you're gonna be rude at least you were smiling about it (laughs) might be worse actually because it's almost like she enjoyed slamming the door in your face (laughs) but i mean in tennessee i I have was attacked by dogs. Oh. I got threatened to be shot. I've had oh. naked people answer the door and not even care that they were naked. <laughs> Didn't they know to hide their shame? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was ready to read Genesis where uh, Adam and Eve discovered they were naked. Like, see, this is why this shouldn't happen. <laughs> He's like, oh, now I discovered it. <laughs> well, I, I know the Mormon missionaries while they're out in the field have, you know, you can tell a Mormon missionary from oh, yeah. a mile away because they've got on the slacks and the white shirt with the tie and they've got their little name badge. Is there anything about Jehovah's Witnesses when they're out when they're out doing pioneering work that makes people easily identify them as witnesses or like uh, just speaking from personal experience, the few times that I've had witnesses knock on my door, I didn't realize what they were there for until they started talking. Like there was there was no easily identifiable 
marking on them that I could go, oh, you're out here knocking on doors and soliciting souls for Jesus. Fuck off. Like I, <laughs> like I answered the door thinking, oh, they might be, you know, conducting a survey for something. Yeah, to, to be honest, there's not really anything that's easily identifiable that would set them apart. Like, like for example, I often got confused for a Mormon when I was out door knocking. Hmm. <laughs> but usually, I mean, it's like the hallmark, you know, shaved face, book bag, shirt, tie. Um, we don't have like, or we didn't, I, I didn't have like a dress code for when I was door knocking. It was basically whatever was considered formal attire where I was working is what I wore. What's formal so, attire in Hawaii? Hawaiian t-shirts. Uh, we we wear ties here too, but it, it wasn't. <laughs> if I had like a Hawaiian shirt on, it wasn't a big deal. Like there were certain areas, like if I was going to be preaching in Hawaiian, I would just wear like an aloha shirt. Oh, do you speak which is Hawaiian? A colorful button up. Do you speak Hawaiian? Um, <laughs> not really. <laughs> I was taking a class, and I would basically just go and read the Bible in Hawaiian. So I know okay. a little bit, but I'm definitely not fluent and definitely not going to give you an example. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. You foiled my follow-up question. <laughs> well, I've, I've noticed, I mean, it probably goes back to earlier when you said that all women are really allowed to do in the church are attend meetings and go out and proselytize, which would make sense because to me, all I've ever had come to my house to proselytize from the Jehovah's Witnesses are women. Yeah, we, we, they always used to, uh, emphasize that and say that it was an army of large women. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> large army of women, not army of women. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like our, our, uh, our claim to fame, at least, you know, for conventions and assemblies and meetings. It was like, that was our, okay. oh, see, this is how we know we're Jehovah's people because look at what the, look at what the sisters are doing. Well, yeah, maybe getting fat. Well, then my other question on top of that is like the way the Mormons do it. I'm you two can correct me if I'm wrong. If two female Mormons came to my door and knocked on it, and I said, yeah, you guys can come in and speak that they can't speak alone to another male. It'd have to be the male yeah, gotcha, have to come back and speak. Yeah, they're not supposed to. Yeah, they're not supposed to. Do the Jehovah's Witnesses have it that same way where if I had two women come to my door and say, hey, do you want us to, you know, hear the good message? And I'd be like, yeah, come on in. Would they have to have like a male companion come or would they send two male uh, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses to come over and do the actual talking once they, you know, put the hook in the mouth? Um, it's very similar. I mean, that's one of those things where it kind of depends on where you are. But the general rule is they kind of do a trade off. So if two women go to your door and you express interest, they'll come back. And the second time, it might be those same two women just for familiarity. And if you're still interested, then they'll bring a brother with them. But it'll just be the sister who initiated the conversation originally. So she might bring okay. her husband or her son or something. And then she'll trade it off completely. So it's just the man and whoever he decides to bring. So they do the, the slow process. Because I've had those people come to my door where a hot chick knocks on it and goes, Hey, can I just do a demonstration of the vacuum cleaner for like 20 minutes? And you're like, no, get the fuck out. You're like, it just takes 20 minutes. I need to get my numbers. I'm like, okay, back in the carpet. And a fat dude walks in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, ours is definitely uh, was more like methodical. and <laughs> Hoover's got an army of large men. <laughs> well, I mean, that kind of answers my question Better look. So I always kind of wonder that because I've always only ever had the female Jehovah's Witnesses come to my door. And I was like, are they even allowed to come in and preach in my house because they're women? And I know church are kind of, the culty churches are very against 
that kind of thing. But well, you'll find more women are doing door knocking mostly because it's very heavily encouraged for men to be the breadwinners. That okay. way, women can pioneer. Okay. So they're they're extremely old fashioned like that. So a lot of times, you know, the husband will be working six, seven days a week while the kids and and wife are out preaching. So that's why you'll see mostly women, but you do get the occasional male pioneer like like I was in my yeah. my earlier years. Hey, everybody, I'm Mary. And I'm Shelly. We have the Latter-day Lesbian Podcast. It's the podcast about an ex-Mormon gay girl just trying to figure out her life. Mm-hmm. And so we do that every week on a podcast, don't we? We do. You're supposed to jump in. Sorry. Just jump in any time. Okay. <laughs> I'm here. We are available on your favorite podcast app. Just uh, look for Latter-day Lesbian, where your favorite podcast can be heard. And you're listening to The Godless Revolution. Why did you bring up the Holocaust? The priest is the one who brought up a benevolent God. I thought that called for a rebuttal witness. No, you called Jesus the mayor of Auschwitz. Well, I don't want to worship some thin-skinned God who can't handle a little criticism. No, if he's all-powerful, why doesn't he grow himself a pair of balls? Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. So you were disfellowshipped how how long did that all last and and did you did you eventually get back into the good graces of the brethren hell no <laughs> um <laughs> so I, I actually just celebrated my one year anniversary, which is what i'm calling it congratulations um, thank you best day <laughs> of my life although so i got disfellowshipped uh june 28th last year and the first three or four months, I was like gung ho. I was at going to the meetings. I still thought it was the truth. I wanted to make things right. Um, I, I almost felt like a pressure to do that too, because I had so many people prior to me getting this fellowship that were like, you better come back. And I was like, don't worry, I will. So it was a lot of pressure. I didn't start waking up until about the four month mark. And that's when I decided, fuck this, I'm not going back. So like October of last year is when you decided I'm out, I'm done, like the end of October, like early end of October, early November-ish? Yeah, shortly before Halloween, which is the reason I didn't celebrate Halloween, because it was still, there was still like that lingering uh, indoctrination, because Jehovah's Witnesses don't celebrate any holidays, except for the death of Jesus, which is (laughs) bizarre. (laughs) Which, what day is the death of Jesus? Easter? No. It's nice and 14 and you just do you just do some calculations to figure out whatever day that would be for this year. So it's always changing, but it's usually end of March, early April, somewhere around there. Like Easter. Yeah, so it's usually uh is it after Easter? Well, yeah. Oh, no, it's, be- it's before Easter. It's like 3 days yeah. before Easter. Yeah, because roughly. it's Easter's the the resurrection. The resurrection. Oh, okay. Well, the witnesses here I think also celebrate like personal birthdays, I think is about the only thing is, or am I? I don't think. Well, I'm not yeah, a Jehovah's Witness. I thought but birthdays I, were a thing. Nope. They are a thing, but <laughs> <laughs> now you, you can't even celebrate your own birthday because I don't know why. I mean, Christianity is pretty much plagiarized off of paganism, but Jehovah's Witnesses think that every holiday is pagan or has some sort of pagan roots, and because of that, they refuse to celebrate it. So here's a fun question to ask a Jehovah's Witness next time they knock at your door. Okay. They. You won't celebrate Christmas because of pagan traditions, but you guys have no problems with wedding rings, which also stem from pagan traditions. Uh, hmm. 
And what is their, what is the Jehovah's answer for that? Or do they have, it depends. (laughs) Sometimes they'll say, Oh, well, we'll research that and come back to you. Or they'll say, uh, their super flawed reasoning is that the traditions of wedding rings, as far as paganism and, and, uh, how the origins started aren't well remembered. And it doesn't mean the same thing. But then you're like, yeah, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's like that with holidays too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the same with any of them. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas. Like, yeah, origi- any of them, yeah. Originally, Christmas was like 12 or 13 days of sex and booze and committing crimes and getting a gift that night. Hmm. a gift that wasn't sex or <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's that's their reasoning they they have answers for certain questions but other questions they'll they'll say oh we'll come back and answer that but then you're you're essentially marked and they won't come back <laughs> that's what i was gonna ask because the mormons kind of do that too they're like oh he's not spiritually ready yet yeah they they believe that the angels direct the preaching work and that if you are of the right heart condition, the <laughs> angels will direct you in such a way. So if, if, if you're challenging me, then obviously the angels aren't directing me. So I'm not going to come back. I'll wait another six months and try again. Well, I hope I don't have a heart condition. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you haven't even celebrated a Halloween at all yet. I have not. I have celebrated Christmas and I have celebrated my birthday, which was this past May. Oh, well, happy birthday from past May. What did you do for your first birthday celebration? <laughs> uh, I just went to a friend's house. Everyone kept asking me, oh, what do you want to do for your birthday? But I feel like people don't understand the fact that I haven't celebrated a birthday since I was six, and I have no fucking clue what people do for birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> so I said I don't know a lot until eventually my friend Summer was like, just come over, we'll have dinner, we'll do presents, we'll have cake. And that's what we did. It was just, it was just a fun night. We talked. Smoked some weed, did did adult <laughs> things. Oh, so you this is like you're newly minted out of the out of the Jehovah's Witness faith. Haven't even participated in a Halloween. You did celebrate Christmas and your birthday. What? Uh, how did you go from you know a believing Jehovah's Witness who's out pioneering to somebody who helps produce content for an atheist show mocking God on the regular? Uh, so that, that was kind of, it happened relatively quickly, but it was a yeah. super mentally draining process. Yeah. So at first what I did was, is once I, once I have my doubts, right? Like after I started recognize, okay, why isn't God helping me after I, I do feel repentant? I've been doing all this praying. I've been going to all the meetings and I still feel like nothing's happening. I started, I tried to prove the Bible to myself without using Jehovah's Witness literature, because that is a no, no, you're not supposed to do that. You only are allowed to research using JW information. So mm. I decided, well, if this is the truth, I'm going to take the Bible and I'm going to do some research. Well, and if it's and the when, truth, then it should be able to withstand scrutiny, right? Yeah. Exactly. That was kind of the mantra that I had that I had worked up for myself. So I was like, all right, if the Bible's true, then the Jehovah's Witnesses must be right, and this must actually be the right thing that I need to do in order to get back with God. Because I still believed in God, still wanted a relationship with Him. So I started doing that. I started out um, doing research on Noah's flood. And at first I was on Christian biased websites and I was like, well, that's not going to help. So I started looking at more scientific websites. And essentially what I learned was is a flood as the Bible reports, it is impossible. You know, we don't have enough water on the earth mm-hmm. for a global flood to even happen or to get the ark to the top of Mount Ararat. It's just, it just can't happen. 
So I was like, all right, well, maybe that was just an exaggeration because at the time they only knew about so much of the planet and it felt like a global flood, which is why they wrote it as that. So I did that whole bad reasoning thing for a bit. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, let me try to find some evidence of the Egyptians being at the bottom of the Red Sea. Because, you know, the story with Moses and the staff mm-hmm. and parting the seas and they all died there. So I discovered there are no Egyptians at the bottom of the fucking sea. No. Um. After that, I started doing research onto if Jesus was even crucified on the cross, to which I found out that if he did exist, the Greek word for that we translate to crux or cross is actually a cross and not a stake. Witnesses don't believe Jesus was crucified on a cross. They think it was a torture stake. Oh. And also that he's not uh, the same as God. So I was like, just gradually, one by one, I just started knocking pillars down and as everything that I uncovered, I was like, all right, I I find it difficult to believe this stuff that is supposed to be history. So there's no way in hell I'm going to believe this stuff that is supernatural, like talking fire bushes, mm-hmm. talking donkeys, talking serpents, magic apple trees. And it just kind of crumbled rapidly. So then I started, all right, I don't believe in the Bible anymore. But is there some value to the Jehovah's Witness faith? So I started looking into that. And of course, I uncovered... Um, they quote mine things to get certain views across. They cover up child sex abuse. And it's just like list after list after list after list of shit that I was like, dude, there's no way these guys have it right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I looked heavily onto YouTubers. YouTubers were like a lifeline for me. They were like, even though it was a one way conversation, cause they have no clue who the fuck I am. They were like my only friends, you know, because I didn't have a social circle mm-hmm. anymore because mm-hmm. I was disfellowshipped. Right. So Dear Mr. Atheist was super helpful. Telltale Atheist was super helpful because he's an ex-Jehovah's Witness. So I was like, dude, you fucking get me. <laughs> and, and a few others. Um, and then, uh, then I started, all right, well, why was I able to accept such bullshit as fact? And so from there, I started doing research into logic and reasoning and um, still got a long way to go, but I'm definitely more logical than I was a year ago. And then that got me to atheism. And so, uh, podcasts like, uh, atheist experience, talk heathen. Um, there's a podcast called shunned, which if people don't know what that is, they should really check it out. It gives you a lot of insight, which I got interviewed on to basically explain my life as, as a Jehovah's witness. Um, and the, 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 the showrunner super nice. He does a free uh, free cult recovery life coaching oh. lessons that, that people can sign up for, which is super helpful. It helped me a ton. Which is needed in a lot of cases. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, shunpodcast.com if you want that. So it, and Oh, c- continue. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so since you basically used the Bible to figure out that the Jehovah stuff wasn't correct, and while using the Bible to figure out Jehovah wasn't correct, you also found out the Bible was not really true. Is that what led you straight over to basically being a- to the atheist side of uh, of it? Because you didn't, you already kind of basically negated all the Christian religions. Yeah, pretty much. I, I you'll find this is this is extremely common with ex Jehovah's Witnesses. We almost default to atheism. Okay. Because as a Jehovah's Witness, my entire life, pretty much, I was conditioned to think that everyone else was a false Christian. And that every other religion was completely wrong, and the only pathway to God was through Jehovah's organization, which was Jehovah's Witnesses. So it's almost like a default switch. You're like, all right, well, if this is bullshit, there must be no God. 
bang, end of discussion. Okay. That's- yeah, we uh we had Lloyd Evans on the podcast a little over a hundred episodes ago, yeah, like hundred twenty episodes ago, something like that. Um, and he's a former Jehovah's Witness who is the person who created the JW survey. I don't know if you've. Oh yeah, I'm very familiar with Lloyd Evans' work. I just finished watching one of his rebuttals yesterday. Oh yeah, he's a good guy. Uh. Yeah, he. And I'm sorry. Anyway, you were just talking about podcasts, and I thought, oh yeah, we've had we've had Lloyd Evans on the show before, and that was when we didn't really know much at all about the Jehovah's Witnesses, and yeah. so he kind of gave us a Jehovah's Witnesses 101 with some of the history of the church and and yeah, that that guy's like an XJW superhero. We we all <laughs> fucking love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's the voice. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, hello there. I love it. <laughs> this is Lloyd Evans. Yeah, he's got a great voice. Um, <laughs> yeah, he does. So, once, so how long did it take you then to to become an atheist? When did you start openly identifying as an atheist, or even secretly? When 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 did you first think, oh, there's probably no God? Um, right around the time my at the time my ex girlfriend, the one I got this fellowship for, um, began contacting me. It was right around, so it was about January, maybe late December, early January. I was like, okay, I know for a fact that the Bible's bullshit, and I know for a fact that the witnesses don't have it right. So like I said, I just defaulted to atheism. And I was like, well, this is the new me, and the only way to move forward (laughs) is to move through it. So I just, I was comfortable, like, immediately. I'm an atheist. That was, I know not everybody has it that that easy. Um, But again, just remember that I'm in a situation where I have, uh, at the time I had only one friend because my social circle was ruined. I had no family to live with. So it's not like I had any expectations to live up to. And I kind of just had the mindset of people are going to accept me for me and I'm an atheist. So that's what I told people. Which is probably a really good mindset to have. Yeah. Anyway, like, <laughs> like I'm me and I'm a decent yeah. person. And if you don't like me because I don't believe the same weird things that you do, then uh, okay, fine, whatever, fuck off. And you shouldn't have to hide it. Yeah. Well, the good thing about living in Hawaii is everyone's very, they're spiritual, not religious. Well, maybe not everybody, but uh, most of the people here, they're spiritual, not religious. I mean, there's a lot of, um, a lot of like ancient Hawaiian traditions that are based in, in some sort of spirituality. Um, but it's not like it's not in your face, uh, other than the Mormons that come here and Joe's when it's the <laughs> It's not really a, a prominent thing. Well, I think it, I think that's part of that whole Aloha spirit thing, right? Where it's just they they try to be welcoming to people from all different types of backgrounds and and beliefs, and not really yeah. put a lot of judgment on people for their beliefs in that realm. Yeah, but they should have. Yeah. When that guy showed up on that boat, they really shouldn't have let him on the island. What guy are yeah, you they talking sh- about? Cook. They should have. They should have put a fish hook to that guy. <laughs> a fish cook. No, but yeah, that, it's pre- that's pretty much it. The Aloha spirit. I mean, as long as you're respectful of their culture, um, they will they will let you come as you as you please. Don't don't take anything that you didn't own when you got here, and don't disrespect the culture. And they're they're super super welcoming. And so you started identifying as an atheist in late December, early January, right around Jesus's birthday, don't you know? Oh, fuck. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that that was the funny part, because my coworker invited me to his family's Christmas party. And I was like, the fuck am I going to do that for? I don't even believe Jesus existed. And I was like, you know what? 
this is a good time to meet people. So I'm going to do it. And that was like, that ended up being one of the most emotional events that I ever went to. Not because of Jesus. <laughs> uh, I guess my coworker, Brian had told his family that I was a Jehovah's witness. I got kicked out. Didn't have a lot of family, which to be honest was super embarrassing uh, for people to know that at the time I wasn't comfortable. I was comfortable as an atheist. I wasn't comfortable telling people I used to be a witness and that, hmm. that I, I basically was a loser because I didn't have any friends. <laughs> and so it was really cool. They had me dress up as Santa. Uh, the kids all came up to me and sat on my lap and I was able to hand out presents, which was really cool. And then, you know, I didn't know anyone there except for Brian and his, and his parents. And they all chipped in and bought me a, a little Christmas present. And it was like, emotionally overwhelming because i was like these fucking strangers have showed me way more love than i have ever received in a lifetime as a job's witness hmm. and i ended up writing about it and um that guy i was talking about earlier that does the shun podcast he has a mm -hmm. facebook group where he invites a bunch of people who are ex-cult members and you can just chit chat and talk about your life and stuff and i put my story on there and it was like the amount of love i got from those people was awesome too so it's just a super emotional experience at that time for me I love the idea of a big old native Hawaiian named Brian. <laughs> <laughs> he, he maybe he isn't, but in my mind he is. <laughs> oh yes, he's 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 from here, born born and raised here. That's funny. Local, local boy. Huh. <laughs> that's a cool story, though. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I you had mentioned that Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that Jesus is like the same as God. Like you know the main mainstream Christianity uh, has a Trinitarian view, right? Where it's God is the father. There's God, the father, son, and the spirit. And they're somehow one and the same being, but or, separate at times. Yeah. What, what are the Jehovah's witnesses beliefs surrounding that? So their belief is that God is the only God and they, they call him Jehovah, which comes from the old Hebrew name Yahweh. Um, which, which is, it's, it's, they try to say it's actually God's name. It's not really God's name because J's weren't even invented until the 1400s. So <laughs> fuck off. Um, and they believe that God sent his only begotten son, who they believe was Michael the Ar Archangel mentioned, you know, in various places throughout the Bible. Oh, I didn't know that. And, yeah, and that he is not God. He is a product of God. And they back that up using a scripture. I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I, I really want to say it's in 1 Peter 3.15 where it talks about Jesus being the firstborn of all creation. I might have that scripture wrong, but who gives a fuck? No one who listens to this podcast is probably going to read that anyways. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, they don't believe God and Jesus are separate beings. And as far as the Holy spirit, they believe that is basically God's power. That's the force he uses to enact certain things. So when he created the earth, it was God's Holy spirit that created the earth. It was his, they call it his active force, his power, basically. Use the force, Jehovah. Only the Sith speak in absolutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. Uh, so late December, early January, you start identifying as an atheist. Uh, what what kind of community do you have there now in in Hawaii? Um, my friend circle is is still pretty small. I am currently in therapy because I don't know how to talk to people really. Um, <laughs> you knocked on doors for seventy hours a month. <laughs> I know, but there, it's it's different because I wasn't going there to be friends with those yeah. people. I was going there to convert them, and now I don't have anything to convert them to. So it's just 
I mean, I'm getting better and working through shit in therapy, but it's like, it's just a struggle for right now. Oh, but I do have really, really good friends. That's what I was going to say. And it's, it's better to have a few good quality friends than have a whole shitload of friends. Yeah. And fortunately for me, they're all atheists, except yes. for Brian. But oh. he, he doesn't believe in a specific God because he thinks that religious textbooks are, are retarded, but he does believe that there's some sort of deity out there. Yeah, but everyone so. needs a Brian the Hawaiian. <laughs> <laughs> but having friends is overrated, I'll tell you. <laughs> Matt is a bit of a misanthrope. <laughs> gotcha. But uh, just convert them to Nico. You seem like a pleasant enough fellow. Yeah, they can all work at my uh, reestablished Neko wafer factory. There you go, yeah. <laughs> Make Nico wafers. <laughs> so, so, yeah, after going through all that, um, somehow I randomly got a notification that there was a podcast called Conversations with God. Uh, and I started listening to it, became a patron, started going back and forth with Tony, sending in, you know, questions from mortals. And then <laughs> just over talks, like, like he told you guys when you interviewed him, you know, he wasn't really raised religious. So, and I was like, dude, I know the Bible like the back of my fucking hand. <laughs> like, <laughs> Especially since becoming an atheist, I've read it more than I ever did as a Christian um, on when I was trying to figure out if it was true or not. And so we were like, yeah, let's let's work together. And we have a new segment that's coming on the show that I'm not going to spoil for people, but I did heavily contribute there. Um, and it's basically just taking my Bible knowledge that I got from being brainwashed into a Jehovah slave and making fun of Jehovah with that knowledge. So it's pretty great. <laughs> See, it wasn't a waste of time. No, I ended up being able to use it. And then um, in between all that, I'm in a few atheist versus Christian debate groups on Facebook. So I do a lot of interactions with retards. <laughs> and <laughs> so uh, I've gotten pretty good at debating and, and learning how to reason with people. Um, and mostly I use that to challenge people who like to use God as their defense for bigotry or their defense for, uh, you know, banning abortions or trying to bring God into church, into schools and all that other shit. And I'll say, okay, well, look at this. God does an abortion here. God murders a kid here. Um, you know, so I, I just try to get people to think, and that's where um, hopefully my next creative outlet will be taking me is using that info to pilot. Nice. Yeah, this is very cool. So we talked a little bit um, before we started really taping and recording with you this evening, and Matt brought up the the missile scare in Hawaii. Yeah. How, as as a as a believing Jehovah's Witness member at the time, how how did the congregation handle that? Like, I can only imagine that if you are in fear that you know there's going to be missiles raining down on your tiny island as a believer. I'm curious to know what what people's thoughts were surrounding that. Is this is this just the work of men? Is this God punishing people for for it? Was there was there any talk about any of that or or any mention from your fellow Jehovah's Witnesses surrounding that? Um, not really, because the whole ordeal was over pretty quickly. Yeah. But when you're a Jehovah's Witness, you're conditioned to think that the end, you know, Armageddon, God's great war against Satan which is a whole other topic in and of itself, because that makes no fucking sense. God of the universe can't stop a single demon that he created from... But anyways. Mm -hmm. uh, 
So, but you are heavily, heavily influenced to think that the end could come at any time. So anytime something of, of importance happens in the world, it's, it's a potential trigger. So a lot of people out in service the next couple of days were talking about, oh man, we thought that was the start of Armageddon. Like we thought, <laughs> we thought we were one step closer to paradise, but it's <laughs> <laughs> by way of a you'll, nuclear weapon. Yeah. I mean, you'll hear, you'll hear Lloyd Evans talk about it a lot in his videos. They just moved the goalposts. You know, it was 1914, it was 1925, yeah. it was 1975, it was 2000. And now it's, they're just moving. They just keep moving them. Then, so anytime something happens, you know, if we had a World War Three, they would try and somehow spin that to make it see like, oh, see, we told you the world was getting worse, and now we have this. Mm-hmm. I know the the LDS Church likes to brag about its numbers and you know report increases in memberships, report building new temples and churches around the globe, and every you know all of the faithful Mormons just cream their jeans at, at news of a new temple being built somewhere to preach to the heathens. Uh, do you know what the Jehovah's Witnesses numbers are like worldwide? Are they increasing, decreasing? Um, it's been a while since I checked the website. I do know all those numbers, excuse me, are published on the website. Um, but they do, I mean, they, they do it less now. But I remember as a kid, that was like a highlight at the end of the year was, you know, the yearbook would come out and they would talk about all this stuff that witnesses did, you know, kingdom halls that were built, how many hours people spent preaching and and things of that nature. Um, They are definitely decreasing in numbers, um, which is great. But ever since that decrease started happening, they don't publicize their numbers as much as they used to. Hmm. Because they're not increasing? (laughs) No, they're def- I mean, the only the only witnesses that are coming to them are either a people who are extremely, extremely depressed and need some sort of hope, which is disgusting. That's a really gross abuse tactic. Yeah, or, emotional vampires. Know, yeah, or they're you know the kids that are born into it. Huh. That's hmm. like their biggest sources of members right now. Yeah, well, and you had you had mentioned that you know there's supposedly going to be a war between God and Satan and. Blah, blah, blah. What are, what are the Jehovah's Witnesses' beliefs surrounding that? <laughs> oh, this will be fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> th- this whole thing was actually a large source of trauma for me, this whole uh, war of Armageddon. Mm. Um, but I'll, I'll try, to, try to navigate my way through it here. So basically, they, they, there's this war, right? You know, Satan's been on the earth polluting the, polluting the planet and causing people to, be, to run away from Jehovah. Eventually, that's going to come to an end. So he's going to get locked into an abyss for a thousand years and basically will be doing or witnesses will be doing. Well, fuck, I still say we I got to stop that. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh, witnesses will be doing the preaching work. Anyone who hasn't heard the message will get to hear the message because everyone will be resurrected. Which if you think about it, holy That's fuck, the world's going to be like blown up. Jesus just we might be we might be so heavy we might like you know go closer to the sun or something <laughs> <laughs> and is that just humans do they is there a belief in like animal like do dogs go to heaven in jehovah's witness like is a pterodactyl going to pick me up all dogs go to heaven <laughs> <Yeah>. man <laughs> <laughs> no um I, I actually made a joke about that on my interview with tony you know if if your guinea pig died tough shit but if your grandma died now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> so, it, yeah, it's just it's just people. Um, and then after the thousand years, basically, God is going to let Satan out of the abyss to tempt mankind again. 
which makes no fucking sense when you consider that scripture that says, you know, God doesn't tempt people. Well, and yeah, then after that comes, you know, God will kill sinners uh, permanently. If they fall into temptation after Satan's released, they will die. And um, any active witnesses left on the earth are responsible for picking up the dead bodies. And whatever the, we can't, fuck, I did it again. Whatever they can't pick up, <laughs> uh, the crows will eat. Hmm. What do you do with the dead bodies after you, or you what, eat them. what do they do with the dead bodies after they pick them up? Um, Holy Spirit, I, I honestly don't know. That was never <laughs> publicized, but. Hmm. It, don't that don't call Dan Holy Spirit. It just goes right to his head. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, with, with that many people right on God's Earth. Hips. Yeah. <laughs> I was say, with, with that many people on Earth, it's either the crows eat them or you eat them. Because, I mean, you got to get food somewhere. If everyone's been resurrected, there's not going to be much farmland left. God's going to just magic you some extra food, Ryan. <laughs> Fishes and loaves, brother. Oh, maybe they'll just God. sacrifice him to God. I mean, he does love the smell of burning flesh. So ah, it's oh, true. Yeah. It's pleasing to him. Yeah. Bonfires. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, after that, you know, the, the 144,000, which are supposed to be helping and killing everybody. <laughs> will will go to heaven to reign with Jesus for all eternity. And then everyone else gets eternal life and can do whatever they want on the earth. That is now free of wicked people. Ah, that's and this is like so heavily publicized in their literature, their magazines, the governing body, which is what they call their cult leaders. <laughs> uh, there's a video on YouTube that you can look up and it, it's, it's both hysterical and disgusting at the same time. Cause these guys are actually looking forward to this. But one of the members named Tony Morris, who is infamous in the XJW community. Um, you, you might know him if you, if you, are aware of that, like tight pants, Tony, or there's the whole whiskey incident. Um, oh, what's he's over there now? talking about. Sounds interesting. <laughs> oh, he's, he's an interesting individual. Um, yeah, he's he, the mental illness on those eight men is so visible and God, I can't believe yeah. I fucking looked up to them. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> it, it happens. Well, but now- he's talking about people roasting like hot dogs on a grill. And just and delighting he's like in that? looking forward to it. Yeah, that's sick. It, yeah. It's disgusting. Well, now you've got me curious. What, what is the tight pants Tony thing? <laughs> I, I think, <laughs> so, sounds like uh, a mafia nickname. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll end up googling that during the break. Hope he doesn't lead us to any kind of weird pornographic site with tight pants Tony. It's gonna be pictures of Tony Danza's bulge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that's his that's his porn star nickname that he doesn't want people to know about. Yeah. No. Uh, so uh, a few a few years ago, there was an annual meeting, which is it used to be restricted to just like Bethelites and uh, another school system that they have in the cult compound called Gilead. But for this particular one, it was publicized, and Tony Morris could have talked about anything. You know, he could have talked about how to build people up, how to reach people at the door, how to do this, how to do that. A number of things would have been better than this. But he gets up there and decides to talk about his disgust in men wearing tight pants. Ah. Uh. Not only did he talk about his disgust in making tight, uh, wearing tight pants, but he also, <laughs> and I quote, you know who wants to see you in those tight pants? The homosexuals that made those tight pants. So it was, it became this phenomenon Whoa. in the JW wow. life where, you know, it was, you were extremely, extremely culturally shamed for wearing tight clothing if you were a man. <laughs> I, I, I just found a remix of it. Oh, we're going to watch that later. <laughs> yeah, we'll check that out later. 
That's all very crazy. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I know we're we're creeping up on the on the amount of time that we have to spend with you this evening. Um, before we go, I, I hear that there's something else you wanted to announce while you were on here. Um, yeah. which thing was that? Because my mind is <laughs> fried. <laughs> well, so this is this is the part of the interview where we where we allow you to basically promote whatever you'd like to, and and you would talk to us. Uh, pre-recording about uh, a project you've got coming up ah yes um uh first if you want to hear a detailed story about my life as a jehovah's witness you can check it out episode 29 of the shunned podcast um other than that i am going to be starting my own podcast called if i were god and the inspiration for that is in my debates with christians every time i bring up an objection to something that their god does they always respond with well, what would you do if you were God? So I plan to talk about that. What would I do if I was God in the events of World War II or the Ebola outbreak or, you know, things of that nature, general disasters that if there were a God, we would expect to be answers to and we don't. I think that sounds like a very interesting show, man. I look forward to listening to some of the episodes. Uh, If people want to get in contact with you, how would they do so? Um, you can find me on Facebook. My name is Nico Gonzalez. Uh, I have a picture uh, with a shunned hat. I wear it as a token of pride because my boss is a witness, and I find it funny. <laughs> um, outside of that, they can they can send me an email n g o n z o five three nine six at outlook dot com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, man, and thanks for helping Tony with his show. And I look forward to listening to your show that's coming out soon. Uh, when when will that be dropping? October 1st is the the set date. I was it was originally supposed to be September 1st, but I've had a few setbacks, so October 1st is the set date. Fantastic, man. I really look I'm looking forward to listening to some of that. Yeah. Um Sorry I called your girlfriend a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'm just going to pray to Sky Pig tonight and he'll smite you in your dreams. Oh. <laughs> Shouldn't have brought that up. <laughs> Well, thanks again, Tony. Or, Tony. Geez, sorry. Thanks Does again. that make sense, Dan? Does it, does it make sense? <laughs> oh, that's the other thing. Duh. I, I manage Tony's Facebook page for Conversations with God. So for any listeners that do listen to that, if you want your questions aired, send me a message on that, and I'll respond to you pretty quickly. Oh, fantastic. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. It's been an absolute delight talking to you. Good luck with the show. Uh, and... Feel free to contact us again and come back on the show to talk about your show when it comes out. That'd be awesome. Sounds good, man. Thanks for the opportunity. Hey, thank you very much. What a super nice guy. Mm. Yeah. He's a lot of fun to talk to. I'm, and, I, oh, go ahead. I'll say we don't get we don't talk to Jehovah's Witnesses all that often. No, uh, we don't. So it's always interesting when yeah. we get to because I learn about some weird new culty shit. And I think I can't remember <laughs> if I asked it on here with, with you guys about the whole, you know, if the women are allowed to actually teach men in the religion and stuff, because I was actually wondering that a few weeks ago. You were very curious yeah. about it? Yeah. Did we ask that during I, I I asked that question. Okay. Then I then I went to my my you know vacuum cleaner sales analogy where they send a hot <laughs> chick to your door, but then a dude shows up. Mmm. Yes. I don't know why I mmmed a, a, a dude oh, showing up. Because it's probably happened to you too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that was that was yeah. very interesting, man. I I don't know a whole lot about Jehovah's Witnesses because they're 
aren't a whole lot around here in and, Utah. And cults like to keep to themselves. Yeah, yeah, they don't. They don't like to mix with us Gentiles yeah. very much. It's my my ex brother in law and his family are Jehovah's Witnesses, and it was a very strange thing because he would go out partying and he'd come over to our place and we'd get drunk and have a good time and whatever. And then his, his wife, who was my ex-wife's sister. Okay. Uh, of course she was raised really non-denominational Christian kind, kind of with a Catholic upbringing a little bit. Um, but once she started dating the man who ended up being her husband, uh, she ended up converting, I believe, to be a Jehovah's Witness. But for a long time, she tried to hang on to, you know, having family celebrations for birthdays. And mm-hmm. she loved Halloween. She loved Christmas. And so they would put up a Christmas tree, but they had to hide it in like a back room <laughs> in case the mother-in-law came over. With like one of those changing curtains around it. Yeah. Cause she was, cause she, the, her, their, his mother, her mother-in-law was very pushy. Okay. Uh, about her religion and, until she needed a blood transfusion for something. She oh. needed surgery and was going to have to have a blood transfusion. And that, you know, that kind of softened like, some things for her. Oh, I like my religion, but I like living too. <laughs> it was just, it's weird. And they're still weird about it. I don't know. They're they're very non-critical about their belief in the sky wizard, yeah. sky pig, bearded fairy guy in the sky. It all just seems really weird to me. Having having been outside the church and an open atheist for as long as I have, when I talk to somebody or hear stories from somebody who was a true believer, it's it's really fucking weird. It's I'm sure it that I feel about it like Matt feels about when people talk about superhero movies. Like what a bunch of fucking nonsense! It just a bunch of childish nonsense. Yeah, it's it's all just silly. It seems really fucking silly to me, but. All right, well, let's uh, do do a news item or two, shall we? Okay. Okay. This is Dr. Hector Garcia, author of Alpha God and Sex, Power, and Partisanship, and you are listening to Godless Revolution. You're one of the finest people it's ever been my pleasure to know. I mean that. That's why I'm a little bit surprised that you believe in an all-powerful God who still had to supplement his income as a carpenter. That makes sense. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! What news do you have for us this week, Matt? Well, I see you brought several items. I have several. Uh, Britain's religious leaders, a relatively small and embattled community in an ever more secular land, are wondering what to make of Boris Johnson. (laughs) We're all wondering what to make of Boris Johnson. (laughs) Uh, As with many areas of his chaotic life, Britain's Trump and new prime minister's spiritual antecedents and his present convictions are a bundle of of contrasts and confusions. Confusion. In a nutshell, he has Muslim, Jewish, and Christian ancestors. What? He was christened a Catholic by his mother. He was confirmed in the Anglican faith, thus formally lapsing from Catholicism while attending Eton College, Britain's poshest school. <laughs> I wonder if Dr. Dan went there. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> if it's posh, he went. <laughs> 
In 2015, he told an interviewer it would be pretentious to call himself a serious practicing Christian. But as a guest on Desert Island Discs, a BBC radio program in which celebrities imagine themselves as castaways, he said he would sing a few hymns and march up and down to keep his morale up. On the other hand, none of his music he chose uh, to have played on, uh, on the island was spiritual. It ranged from Brahms to punk rock. <laughs> well, it depends on your definition of spiritual. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Seven Christian denominations, mostly nonconformist, have already written to him, warning that no deal Brexit, an option he is firmly keeping on the table, will exacerbate poverty and food shortages. Catholics have, obser have observed that Mr. Johnson is the first person baptized into their faith who has been master of 10 Downing Street, the prime ministerial residence, and that his godmother uh, came from a fervently papist family. But the Roman faith doesn't seem to have left much mark on him to judge by the prime minister's preferred or professed indifference to monogamy. <laughs> uh, Jewish commentators noted with approval that as foreign secretary, Mr. Johnson visited the Western wall, the Western wall in Jerusalem spoke fondly of his Jewish roots and praised Israel as the regency uh, region's only democracy. He left out the tyrannical ultra conservative land grabbing bit, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but his immediate, immediate Jewish ancestors were not devout. Mr. Johnson's great grandfather, Elias Avery Lowe, a Russian American, never practiced Judaism and seemed more interested in Latin texts, including Christian ones, than the Hebrew ones. Meanwhile, a Muslim businessman, Muhammad Amin, responded to Mr. Johnson's uh, elevation by <laughs> responded to Mr. Johnson's elevation by resigning from the Tory Party in protest at the at the politician's record of inflammatory references to Islamic face veils such as letterboxes, oh. which is a really fun game that I wanted to play a little bit at. So <laughs> I came up with a few of my own. The Saudi slit. Oh, it's burqa is worse than it's baita. <laughs> <laughs> the elegant ex executioner, the muzzy mummy, oh. the niqab ninja, the desert <laughs> Batman, the jihadi Jasmine and the peak Abu Dhabi. Oh, peak Abu Dhabi. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> but I will say that all of those options are better than looking at Boris Johnson's hair. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he, t him and Trump have the same stylist. Well, and John yeah, Oliver really. did a did a big thing on Boris Johnson recently on one of his episodes. That oh, yeah, I didn't watch that one yet. Was pretty illuminating. Mm. Mr. Johnson defends his stance by saying his own Muslim great grandfather, the Ottoman politician Ali Kemal admired England because it was a land of openness and tolerance. That is the spirit he now wants to preserve. Over and above these more or less tenuous connections to the Abrahamic faiths, there is another worldview which, in the view of Mr. Johnson's biographer Andrew Gibson, uh, holds much stronger personal appeal for the Prime Minister, the polytheism of ancient Greece and Rome, whose literature he studied at Oxford University. In fact, Mr. Johnson has some sympathy with the view that Christianity, with its emphasis on guilt, meekness, and self-denial, sapped the strength of the Roman Empire. As Mr. Gimson notes, it is clear that Mr. Johnson is inspired by the Romans, even more by the Greeks, and repelled by the early Christians. The Prime Minister apparently shares the classical belief in omens and portents, along with Homeric's, uh, Homeric sense that uh, great heroes should be free to act out their passions and break free from moral constraints. Hmm. 
So like, still don't really know. No. And if he has any relations, like blood relatives from the Middle East to get, you know, the Muslim side of it in him, they can't be very close to him because he is white as fuck. <laughs> he's pretty mm. pasty. Like he's got no sense of any kind of olive in his skin tone at all. No. No, yeah, he's he's a very pasty guy. Yeah. And John Oliver's main theme in talking about Boris Johnson was just that he's kind of stumbled his way through life as a hapless idiot. And it, yeah. From it, the photos of him, it kind of looks like that. Kind of like Trump. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that with that with Boris, it's that he's not quite as stupid as he portrays himself to be, but it is a disarming, uh, charismatic way of endearing himself to people. That he's just this kind of bumbling idiot who's generally nice and and good natured, but that mm. yeah he's wholly unprepared for anything that he's ever faced. Okay. And to name him or to have him be British Prime Minister is just it's a, it's a complete joke. Because he was mayor of London, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was listening to one of the older episodes of uh, the Two Skeptical Chaps the other day on my way home from work, mm. and it was before. This all happened before he became prime minister. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about like, hey, did you see Boris on the one of the debate type thingies? And they asked him this question, like, do you know what Article 33 was of, of the uh, Brexit? Oh, the, the paragraph that yeah. John Oliver covers that. <laughs> yeah, in, and in he goes, episode. nope. Yeah. yeah no where, clue. Where it's, it's the same <laughs> interviewer. That got Ben Shapiro all riled up recently where Ben oh, Shapiro yeah. just walked out yep. on the interview. It's that same interview. Okay. And I think his name is Neil something. I, I, I apologize. So I was it, it was an name. interview, not like a debate type. Yeah, thing. no, it was an interview. This guy's okay. interviewing Boris Johnson <clears throat> and, you know, he's he's talking to Boris Johnson and saying, well, you keep saying that the no, the no deal Brexit will be just fine. And you're basing that, you know, solely on paragraph 5b or whatever it is and boris johnson's like yep exactly and and john oliver's like what he fails to realize is that 5c says why you can't use 5b for that purpose (laughs) and so then they cut back to the they cut back to the interview and the interviewer's like well what about section 5c and boris johnson is just like well what about it and he's like well it says clearly in 5c why you can't do the thing in 5b and Boris Johnson is like, no, I, I'm I'm going strictly and solely with 5B. And the guy's like, well, but do you know what 5C is? And he's just like, no. Very confidently, <laughs> just like, no. Like, I don't know, and it doesn't matter because I can just ignore it, and then that's fine with me. Like, if I don't know what it is, I don't have to do it. That's not how the world works, you fucking nitwit. <laughs> but it kind of is how the world works. And uh, for a lot of people, yeah. Yeah, I mean... That's how most people get around, I think. <laughs> Have you thought about this? Nope. And it doesn't matter because I'm fine right where I am. Ig- ignorance is bliss. Yeah. 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 What else you got? New York's Bronx Zoo cautioned visitors that a venomous snake is missing from its exhibit <laughs> and it be- is believed to be loose inside the zoo. If well, oh. it's not in his exhibit, it's probably somewhere close by. The zoo said the three-and-a-half-foot-long mangrove snake was noticed missing from its enclosure inside the Jungle World exhibit today. Officials said the snake is believed to have slipped through the mesh vent cover 
and is likely still inside the jungle world area. Mm. Mangrove snakes are mildly venomous, but Zookeeper said the serpent is not likely to pose a threat to guests. The species is known to be timid and active at night when the zoo is closed. A sign was posted outside the Jungle World exhibit warning visitors to be on the lookout <laughs> for the snake, but officials said members of the public are unlikely to encounter the animal and that the signs were posted out of an abundance of caution. <laughs> so, so now, now little Jimmy gets bitten by a snake and dies because he's got a compromised immune system because his parents are anti-vaxxers, but they can't sue the zoo because they put up a sign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all you got to do, put up a sign. Well, at least if it gets out of the jungle enclosure, the Bronx isn't very jungly, so it'll probably stand out. Be like, oh, look, something green. <laughs> it's a concrete jungle. <laughs> yeah. And the snake is black, I believe. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. Mm. Well, then it would stand out in the jungle. Unless it's not like a black tree. Well, it's tree. a mangrove snake. I've got, I've got the, no clue what they look the like. The mangroves are brackish coastal waters, I okay. think, aren't they? Um, and it's like a mess of roots and... That's what I thought. Like the stems and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Black and yellow. Yeah, black and yellow. It's a Steelers snake. <laughs> it's a Wiz Khalifa snake. <laughs> it, <laughs> oh, was, it looks pretty cool, though. I was going to mention, uh, during for... My brother-in-law's 40th birthday party, when we went and did the social acts thing, uh, he had a Wiz Khalifa in his pants. He's, he's <laughs> a tepid Trump supporter. Like he doesn't, he doesn't follow How politics. How does that happen? So, well, okay. If he, he, he supports him, but doesn't want people to know. Yeah, basically, basically. But the whole family basically knows that, yeah, you voted for Trump and you're kind of ignorant about a lot of this stuff. And so it's just kind of this down low thing that. You know, we're all kind of disappointed <laughs> that, he, that he's a Trump supporter and he hasn't come right out and said he voted for Trump. But it's like a it's like a well-known open secret. Yeah, it's like an open secret thing. And so for his birthday, I got him a hat that says and he's also a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So mm-hmm. I got him a hat that says make the Steelers great again. <laughs> <laughs> It was a lot of fun when I gave it to him at the party <laughs> because even then, like nobody really talked about the fact that he's kind of a Trump supporter. It was just he got the hat and he's like, oh, oh, that's great. That's really funny. And we're all kind of laughing about it and everything. And I can't remember which person in our party said, well, what, why, why would they get you that? Like, what, what's so funny about uh, that? And he's just like, I'll have to explain mind. it later. <laughs> I don't talk about that. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, like I said, it's one of those things that we just kind of don't talk about so that we can carry on being very cordial. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar Meyer announced ahead of Friday's National Ice Cream Sandwich Day that it partnered with New York ice cream company Il Laboratorio del Gelato to create the Ice Dog Sandwich. No. What? No. No. An ice cream sandwich inspired by hot dogs. No. Wait, so if it's just an ice cream sandwich in the shape of like a normal hot dog where it's just like, that wouldn't be bad. Yeah, that wouldn't be too bad. The sandwich, which (laughs) (laughs) features cookies as buns. Okay. Uh Sounds good. I'm in. Contains bits of candied hot dog meat. No. Fuck that. I'm out. 
And spicy mustard ice cream. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> That's a whole bucket of nope. <laughs> nope. That sounds so awful. I'm out now. Terrible. If they would have just done traditional ice cream in the middle of it, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Candied hot dog. Uh, how do you candy a hot? Fuck is it just me? That sounds disgusting. Like, do you just sugar it? Yeah, like and, and, and cook it, fry it. Well, yeah, yeah like have you uh, have you ever candied anything like like candied walnuts or pecans mm, or? No, I haven't. You you basically just melt down sugar, sugar and to, caramelize it to yeah. where it caramelizes, mm. and then you put whatever in there and roll it around, and then set it aside. And but but everything you mentioned is not a meat. <laughs> yeah, no, that you can candy ham, ham, yeah, ham's candied ham, yeah. Well, I've, I have had that where like the brown sugar on the outside of the hands all like mm-hmm. glazed yeah. onto it. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, candied hot dog, uh, uh, just yeah, with spicy mustard, mustard ice cream. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, and that's no. probably the bulk of it. Well, and here's the bad yeah, thing: spicy, ice yeah, cream. because <laughs> the candy ice cream that sounds fucking terrible. The Yellow candied hot cream. dogs aren't an ice cream, so it's just loose. Like you put like the candied hot dog in there, and then just. Yellow ice cream around Crumbled it. Crumbled candy hot, that, <laughs> and then a, and then a cookie bun. Ah, uh, this does not sound oh, appealing. No, a cookie bun filled with mustard ice cream. No, it's like. <laughs> and what kind of cookie is it? Is it, is it? is it the normal chocolate cookie? Of I a, don't know. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm out. No, yeah, fuck that. That's a horrible <laughs> summer. Like. Like, no one will come to your barbecue if you got that shit. Do they anticipate there's going to be much of a market for this fucking monstrosity? I don't no, know. They, also, they probably made one and said, oh, fuck this. Gonna... <laughs> if there's ever one rule, it's don't eat yellow snow, too, right? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the oh. company said its Wienermobile will drive around Manhattan during the week of August 12th to distribute free samples of the unusual <laughs> dessert. Yeah. Because nobody will pay for it. The announcement comes on the heels of condiment company French's creating a mustard-flavored ice cream. Oh, no. That it said will be available in select cities during the summer. Why would... Yeah. Dude, I like uh, mustard. I like mustard a lot. But I ice like, cream. I like, I like a wide variety of mustard types. But mm-hmm. fuck mustard ice cream? I just can't. That's... <laughs> Ugh. Well, and I like mustard fine uh, too, but like I wouldn't want a spoonful of it. No, no, just plain. Yeah. No, that's given me the, the and that's basically what that is, except ugh. it's cold. You know. Yeah. It's like I love bacon, but they do too much stuff with bacon, like bacon sodas. Now candied bacon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, now, that, that that's that is good. Yeah. I have had that. I, have I had. and I've had bacon vanilla shakes before, and that's good. Is it really? Bacon maple vanilla, yeah, that's good. That's uh, I could I could probably go for that. I could I could imagine that being okay. But hot dog and mustard no. ice cream, no hot dog. Hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's fucking nope right out of the gate. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Gross. What else you have for us? I think um, this will probably be our last story for the evening. How about this uh, intelligent design? Never happened. Savitha Dental College and and hospital in Chennai. Yeah, I saw this. Did you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> oh. Said the boy's parents first noticed the jaw swelling when the boy was three years old, but they did not want him undergoing any procedures at such a young age. Parents decided to have... The boy, now seven, examined when the condition continued to advance. A surgeon discovered a compound adont... Odontomy, I'm guessing is how it's spelled. Compound odontomy? Odontome? It's one of those. I don't know. A bag-like mass in the boy's mouth, and it was removed. 
<laughs> it was full of mustard ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> mustard and hot dog ice cream. Uh. The mass turned out to contain 526 tooth-like structures. 500. The objects varied in size, but each had a crown and root-like structures, giving them the shape of teeth. Ew. Five hundred. <laughs> what are those? Yeah. What uh, You guys have heard of those masses or growths that people will get every now and then where like it's an like, where it's like hair. It's like full of hair oh, yeah. and teeth yeah. and shit. Oh, yeah. What are those? I can't remember what. I can't is remember it, what is it a form? Is like I think they're just different types of cysts. Yeah. Yeah. With teeth? Yeah. Yeah. It's got yeah. like, it's got like calcified bone, like teeth, teeth like shit. Like I've even heard people getting them like hair. teeth pulled out of their abdomen. Your body will do some weird shit. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's fucking wild. But yeah, the five, like. It was how, reminiscent of pearls in an oyster, the dental surgeon said. Like how, how did the kid breathe? Like I yeah, saw the I, I saw the X-ray of the thing and I was like, holy fuck! A teratoma. That's what it is. Teratoma uh, tumor made up <laughs> of several different types of tissue, such as hair, muscle, teeth, or bone. Now well, go to now images. click on images. Yeah. Yep, we yeah. gotta do it. Oh, man. We gotta do it. You're Our gonna... listeners want us to. Now we're just seeing Look, teeth right there. Yeah, that's a that's teratoma. A oh, that's a hair and teeth together. That's gross. I can't wow. really. Oh, do I need Tell to make what's it? what's going on. Do I need to make it bigger? Yes, please. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mustard ice cream. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. there's... That one looks like an ear with oh, hair and teeth. Yeah, definitely don't Google images teratoma. What yeah, part that's... of the body was that removed from? I I'm, don't know. Wow. The, the part that had it in it. That... Yeah. <laughs> Continue with your... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the hospital said it was the first ever case to be documented worldwide where so many minute teeth were found in a single individual. 526. That's a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. That's, that's like, like shark number. I've seen a thing where people, some people have like the yeah. multiple like rows of like the teeth are actually growing out like mm. from their palate of their mouth that look all fucked up. Yeah. My, my, uh, my son had a supernumerary tooth. Oh, that was just called? like a just like an extra tooth growing yeah. in, mm. like above the the other teeth that we had to have removed. It's weird. So apparently, it's a fairly common thing. Yeah, because so, we're designed so well. I yeah. would guess that yeah, that's probably pretty common. But five hundred and twenty six extra ones. No, no, no. Yeah, no. When well, we, thing we is, only have thirty two to begin with. Yeah. It, 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 if it, when he was like three years old, when they first started like having the swelling. It probably wasn't that many. Then it just kept growing and growing and growing and getting worse. I just wonder how the kid was able to like swallow or how much pain that was in his mouth. Well, and I'm curious about why the parents would look at their small child and go, there's something wrong with his jaw. There's, there's something definitely going on there, but let's wait. Yeah. (laughs) Third world country. Let's, let's wait for a little while and see how this shakes out. And in some of those countries going to the hospital ain't that. Good of an idea. Sometimes. Where was this though? Was India. It like, it's not really a third. Depends world on where in India they were. Yeah, that's true. Chennai. I don't know what that is. I, I don't. India is really fucking big. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. They have a lot. They have a lot of gods there. They do. Mm-hmm. They they do. They got they got road gods, mountain gods, store gods. Yeah. <laughs> we have <laughs> podcast gods. That we should, the reason we should why, thank. Well, the reason why I, said, I was watching a show where they're going through India, uh-huh. and the guy's like, literally, like, we're driving on the road. 
and there's a God on the side of the road. We're told before we go through this mountain pass, we got to go worship that God. Then we go into a town. It's like, oh, we got to go to this store and worship that fucking God. Now we go to this place and we got to worship that fucking God. Giving them offerings. All these gods need offerings and each one is different. wonder what happens to all of those offerings. That's a good question. There's probably like, someone just probably picks them back up, takes them to the store and goes, ha, some more dumb white people are going to buy this shit tomorrow. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but we do have some gods to thank. They are the Patreon Patreon supporters of the oh. show. You all in the listening audience should also be thanking these kind, wonderful, generous people for sponsoring the show. These are our show sponsors. We don't do advertisements and stuff. Mm-hmm. These are the people who keep the show going every week, and we appreciate them very much for doing so. That would be Alan Firth. New Mania. Christy Kalbach. Gatheist. Larry Wilson. Steven Andrus. Let them eat Kofefe. Two skeptical chaps. Vanessa. Don't be a Richard. Utah Outcasts. Janet Uter. Wesley Aaron. Andrew Vodapetch. Jeremy Goodson. Brandy Hamrick, who has, I, has had some health problems. I did me. see I'm, that. I'm oh, no. Glad to see that you are doing better. We hope that everything yeah. works out well for you. I, uh, I saw that today on her Instagram. Yeah. And yeah, get, get better soon. Yes. We're, we'll, we'll not, we'll not be praying for you, but, but, but hoping that everything turns that out well. All the science in the world is working in your favor. Yes. That your doctors are well-educated, well-rested, compassionate, kind, and caring. Yes. And Megan Kennedy. The Foz. Jesse Pointer. Freethinker215. Krusty the Clown. And Mr. Black. Support Camp Quest. Captain Samples. Savita Kuna. Purple Dragon. And Taylor Grin. Thank you all very much. Yeah. Those are our yes. sponsors. They're the people who help keep the show going. If you would like to become a sponsor of the show, you can do so by becoming a Patreon patron at patreon.com slash godlessrevolution, where you can pledge as little as a dollar per episode and help us help us do more stuff with the show. There's There's some equipment that we would like to get that would be very nice. I'd like to get some different microphones maybe and... What? Yes. Well, you know, just some some high end microphones. Like these are these are nice. These yeah. are good. These are decent. But w- way better than our old ones. Oh yeah, yeah. But there, I mean, there are there are, there is other gear that we could get that would that would make the show better. I'd like to do video stuff. I'd like to do a lot more stuff with the show. But we're kind of hamstrung by the amount of money that we can spend on the show <laughs> <laughs> that we can spend on the show to provide to people out there in the listening audience. So uh, anything you contribute would be greatly appreciated. If you can't contribute, then please do not. But you can spread the word of the show by posting it on social media, tweeting at us, sending us messages, providing uh, news articles. We have a bunch of news articles that people have been sending to us and posting out in our Facebook group and community and page. Um, So thank you all for doing that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for participating. Thank you for sending us show ideas, news articles. And just for listening to us rant and rave for a couple hours every week. We hope we entertain you. Yeah. And so until next week, crucify whatever tower those people who come and knock on your door are bothering you about. Leave us a review or we will knock on your door. Ooh. Unless you want to, unless you're into that. (laughs) (laughs) And rate the show five times a day toward the watchtower. Yeah, I don't impersonate Trump. I impersonate Alec Baldwin impersonating Donald Trump. <laughs> 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 All right, well, enjoy the rest of your day. It's what? Four o'clock there? Four o'clock there? Four-ish? Yeah, 420. 
Oh, perfect Ooh, time. 420. Yeah. yeah, that's a good time to end. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go and burn one for me, man. Will do. All right, we'll All talk right. to you later, Tony. <laughs> or shit, sorry. Nico, I don't I don't know why I keep doing that. God damn it. He doesn't even have an accent. <laughs> sorry, Nico. Thank you very much for coming on the show, man. No problem, man. All good. All right, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. All right, see ya. Basically, it just boils down to I'm an idiot and I fuck up all the time. Uh,